Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network on Yahoo Sports Radio. Before we get to our next guest, I'd like to remind you that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by, yep, MyCleanPC. If your computer's running slowly, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free analysis. In minutes, you can activate MyClean computer software that can clean out what's slowing down your computer. Sound good? Because it is. That's MyCleanPC.com. You know something? What else sounds good? Gil Brandt. When I have questions about players past or present, this is the guy I consult. Gil Brandt is a former executive with the Dallas Cowboys who not only was the team's scouting guru, but who in 29 years with Dallas helped pioneer scores of scouting innovations, including going outside of pro football and the United States to find prospects, using computers and evaluations, and helping to create the NFL scouting combine, which you run now, Gil, anyway. Now, of course, you can find him everywhere, including the Combine, NFL.com, and Sirius Satellite Radio. And today, you can find him with us. Gil Brandt, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for uh, having an opportunity to be on with two great, very talented friends. I appreciate it. Well, we we thank you, Gil. Gil. Yeah, thanks. And uh, I think we find you, Gil, today in Cleveland, right? Yes, I'm here in actually in Aurora, Ohio, which is right a suburb of Cleveland, 20 or 30 miles away. And I'm here at the uh, Rookie Symposium, in oh, which okay. we have all the drafted players uh, here. And uh, what the league is doing, and they're doing a great job at it, uh, is trying to teach people how to use their money, how to save their money. You know, just a lot of things uh, that rookies, uh, that it will help rookies later on in life and instead of uh, being divorced and broke and, and owing a lot of money, you know, hopefully they can leave the league uh, with a nice little nest egg uh, so that they don't have problems later on in life. Hey, Gil, when you're finished there, would you give me a call? Because I'd like to know how to save my money, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all want to do that. Yeah. Hey, obvious question for you, Gil. You're in Cleveland. If I had to put a gun to your head right now and ask you if Johnny Manziel is going to make it in this league, what's your answer? Uh, a year ago, if you asked me that question, I said, yes, he was going to be a very, very good football player in this league. Uh, you know, uh, Rick Goslin does a great job uh, because he's a gifted writer, but he's the hardest worker I know. Manziel is a gifted football player, but I think he doesn't realize or didn't realize uh, that you can't rely on what you did at the college level and be successful in the NFL. And uh, to be successful in the NFL, especially at a quarterback position, you have to be totally committed. And I think when we look like at players like Manning and Luck and, uh, you know, all of these players that have done so well at the quarterback position, uh, including Newton, uh, who a lot of people didn't think could do it and has really done it and done it beyond expectation, I'm not sure Manziel can, can do the work and sit down uh, with the playbook and uh, instead of talking about it, actually doing it. Gil, you've been, uh, by my count, you're into your sixth decade looking at players, scouting players, grading players. Who's the best player you ever scouted? Well, you know, I think it's a really tough question because there's so many great players and there's so many eras. You know, I think that you have to put Jim Brown as one of the great players. Uh, and, and, you know, can you imagine Jim Brown playing today? Uh, if they uh, if they spread the field like they did instead of running just red and brown and having a, a two tight ends, <laughs> basically two tight ends in the game, and everybody knew what you were going to do, uh, and yet he did so many great things. Uh, 
you know, I think we've had so many great quarterbacks, and I think one of the quarterbacks uh, that is overlooked uh, when you talk about quarterbacks is Roger Staubach. And I think that when you see the percentage of games that he won, uh, all of the things that he did, uh, I thought he was an exceptional player. And then, you know, you look at a fellow like Bob Hayes, and I'm naming our players because I'm probably more familiar with them, but Bob Hayes, for his career, averaged almost one touchdown every five catches. He averaged over 20 yards per reception. One year it was 26 yards per reception. One year it was 24 yards per reception. Uh, and, and then, you know, you have the Jim Parkers of this world who uh, was one of the first real offensive left tackles. Uh, but I think we could go on and on and on and on and, and name players that have really played exceptionally well. Gil, how did you convince Shram to take Staubach, even though he had five years of service ahead of him? It was uh, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Rick, and uh, everybody was tired. And I think that uh, it was a, a draft that we started. And it was a very interesting draft in that we had poor Paul Warfield committed to us. And uh, on Sunday night when I went to bed in Chicago, uh, Warfield was our first commitment. Danny Lavelli was sitting with him uh, with, a, with a contract in hand. And on uh, Monday morning, uh, Coach Landry said, you know, I, I think Warfield is going to be a great player. We need somebody to help us right away. And I just made a trade with Pittsburgh uh, that we get Buddy Dial, and then we will pick a player, uh, and it'll be as we're drafting him, but later on he will become a, a player uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that was Scott Appleton. And um, and so uh, we just kept on drafting, you know, in the – I guess in the sixth round or seventh round, we drafted Bob Hayes. And, of course, the interesting pick right after Bob Hayes was Bill Parcell. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and then in the second round, a lot of people, and I'm sure Rick does, uh, we held up the draft for almost six hours because a player by the name of Mel Renfro was there who we thought was one of the great players in college football but had a bad accident uh, where his uh, wrist was cut and we were concerned about whether he could be a ball carrier, uh, and we sent a doctor down from uh, Dr. Slocum down from Portland, Oregon, uh, to uh, look at Mel. And so all of those things led to this draft uh, going almost continually uh, for 24 hours. And uh, as I said, uh, we took him uh, just like we did Hennings, uh, Jad Henning, a, a tackle uh, that turned out to be pretty good. And, you know, when you're down there in those 10th rounds, which we no longer have, but when you're down in the 7th round or 6th round now, and there's a player that's been injured and you want to take him, hey, take him, uh, because the chances of you hitting on a player in the 6th or 7th round aren't that good anyway. And if you can get this great player that someday may come to your team, whether it be from injury or out of the service, you know, why not take him? We're with Gil Brand on the Talk of Fame Network. And Gil, speaking of the Cowboys, for years, Goose knows this because I'd say it to him, I thought they'd never go anywhere with Jerry Jones as their GM, except last year they started to make a move. I mean, they won the division. They went to the playoffs, won a game there. Was I wrong? Are their personnel decisions now more sound than ever? And if so, why? I, I think they are, uh, and I think that they've hired some people there that uh, are, are really involved in the process. I think that uh, when Larry Lacewell was there, uh, you know, they kind of, well, whatever uh, 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 Jerry thought uh, was a good player, uh, they were going to take that player. And, uh, you know, the 
some of the players that they ended up taking. And I just hope that uh, one of the last things that Jerry was involved in, the cornerback Claiborne, uh, doesn't turn out to be one of those players. Uh, but when you trade up uh, to get a cornerback uh, that didn't run very fast and, uh, and is not very big, uh, you ask yourself why. They've done a really good job of taking solid players. Uh, a couple years ago, they were criticized for taking Frederick, the center from Wisconsin. And uh, he's an all-pro player, a Pro Bowl player, a really good player. And, yeah, they probably could have traded down again and, and taken a chance on, on getting him in the second round. But why do that? And then, you know, last year everybody thought that they needed a, uh, a defensive player, and they took an offensive lineman uh, who was the first offensive lineman as a rookie in 66 years uh, to make uh, to make all pro. So when you when you start doing that and getting Tyron Smith at left tackle, uh, all of a sudden that whole process changes, and I think that's what's happened there. And then the fact that Romo really had an outstanding year last year. So they've got the nucleus of some players there now, and uh, you know hopefully uh, they can get a running back uh, to run the ball almost as well as they did last year. Go back in the in the sixties. You made a you had a great history of drafting the quote best athlete available, not necessarily the best football player, but the best athlete available. How did you get into that? The basketball players, the baseball players, the track guys, the the, the Pat Rileys, the the Carl Lewis's, and people like that. Mr. Goslin, let me explain something to you. When we came into the league in 1960, we didn't participate in the draft, and uh, we we had an opportunity to pick, I think, three players uh, from uh, six or seven that were given to us uh, on an expansion list, and it was red. So we had to go other places to try to find people, and what we did is, is we uh, conjured up a program uh, where we t- tested players uh, and, and we tested basketball players like Cornell Green. And, uh, you know, Cornell Green uh, was a great athlete. Never His brother was the first Afro-American ever to play uh, for the uh, Boston Red Sox. Uh, but uh, we were fortunate enough to sign Cornell Green, and it was one of the great signing experiences of my life. Uh, I offered him $250 to sign. And uh, no, that was not nearly enough. I was dealing with his basketball coach, Liddell Anderson, and the football coach, John Ralston. And I wasn't smart enough to ask how much they wanted. And so after about three hours of sitting there while I'm telling him that, you know, you've never played football, how can we give you more than $250 and everything? I said, just out of curiosity, how much do you want? And they said, $500. And I said, you mean I sat here for three hours for $500 in Logan, Utah? Uh, but, uh, you know, on one of our Super Bowl teams, we had five uh, basketball players uh, that never played a game of football. And uh, we had one that uh, caught a touchdown pass, his only touchdown pass of his career, uh, that had been a basketball player at Austin P. Percy Howard, that we thought was, you know, what was the modern-day receiver. He was six foot four, 210 pounds, and he ran about 4'4", four, 4'4", four, 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 something like that. And we thought he was going to really be great. But we did a great job. But one of the things that uh, in, in doing a job with that and small college players, that Landry and his staff did a great job of coaching those players and developing those players. And I can remember one day when Coach Landry came into my office at Thousand Oaks and said, I want to trade John Nyland. And I about fell over because he just made all pro the year before. 
and he said, you know, Herb Scott might not be quite as good as Nyland this year, but uh, he's going to beat Nyland out, and uh, so we have got to do something, and uh, let's trade him. And we were able to trade him and get a second pick, which enabled us to get Tony Hill. So, you know, Tom had a great understanding of what it took to be a player in the National Football League, and his staff did a good job of developing those players. Hey, Gil, we've got a great understanding of time. We're out of it, so we got to go. But thanks for joining us. And, Gil, a thanks for bringing back the memories of Pumsy Green, who I think you were talking about, the Red Sox yes. player, of, yeah. the, the brother of Cornell Green. Anyway, we and look listen, forward to seeing wanna, you down I want you to put me on the docket so I can be on again. You got it. We look forward to seeing you down the road. And, okay, Gil, thanks. we always, always enjoy hearing you on the radio. Thank thanks. you. Thanks, Gil. That was former Dallas executive Gil Brandt. When we return, we're going to talk about those basketball players who made it in the NFL. It's the Talk of Fame Network.